welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast. It is our first ever post-game show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into the CHGO studios here in the West Loop of Chicago. It is Studio A. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W and Herb Lawrence uh, right next to me. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. Hello. He, he is the I'm sorry, I'm supposed to put that in there. You're all good. And I'm getting distracted by Jesus Shuttleworth in the comments saying, LOL, post-game show, game's been over. Yeah, that's the point. It's post-game. Uh, I don't know, but 5-4. Sorry, Jesus, I was a little slow on the draw there. We were trying to go. 5-4, uh, Detroit beats the Chicago White Sox in the ninth inning, a walk-off from Javi Baez. Herb and I will be recapping the game, and hopefully we'll be joined from Vinny Duber out in Detroit. We'll take you through all the important moments, and Herb, there is no better moment to start than the final one. Javi Baez hits a walk-off single. Austin Meadows scores from third base. The ball awkwardly bounced off the wall first. Then A.J. Pollock seemingly juggled it, and we thought that the game was over. It gets reviewed. It's a hit because it hits off the wall. Detroit wins 5-4. I mean... (laughs) Do we not have a scouting report on Javier Baez? He's only been in the league for six-plus years. <laughs> he can hit fastballs, guys. Sliders outside the zone, he struggles with. Fastballs all day long for Liam Hendricks, and we'll get to that. It's just annoying, just very annoying that we don't execute plans. Like, if that was the plan, that was garbage plan. I'm sure, I'm sure that Yasmani Grandal and Liam Hendricks thought, hey, let's throw fastballs to Javier fucking Baez. Let's do that. Or exclusive fastballs to Honus Haas, as my guy Chris Tannehill calls him. He kills the White Sox, murders the White Sox. He was slow on a couple of those outside fastballs. I think Liam missed his location through 98, and Eric Haas did not miss a stitch. I, I think he has, I, uh, it's because his, his, his wrist thing wasn't working. That's why they were throwing fastballs. Just, uh, maybe that's. I it. mean... If you lose because the other team's better than you, yeah. you can kind of accept that. Today, the White Sox had so many opportunities to put the Tigers down, and they had so many opportunities just to play good baseball. The pitching staff for a, as a whole, no, not a good at all. I mean, Ethan Katz did not fix them. <laughs> just making me mad. Yeah, I'm on 1,000. I'm not, I'm not Matt Peck after a Bulls loss to the Knicks. Mad. Nobody is. A little slightly ahead of that, so probably like 7.5. But losing a game like that, and I know the folks out there, it's one of 162. They all count the same. They, they the, do all If count you the lost same. this game in October 3rd, you would be pissed. This is a game that you win now. You don't have to win in October. Yeah, I'm only saying that it's one of 162 because if, you know, thinking about the next two or the next three kind of just gets my blood boiling. It's just, (laughs) I need to realize and relax that, hey, this is only game one because there were some positive things, but mostly the bad thing was the bullpen. Uh, Liam Hendricks came in for a four-out save. He ends up giving a run to Miguel Cabrera, which ties up the game at 4-4. Then in the ninth inning, Andrew Vaughn hits a shot off Gregory Soto. That 
gives the Sox a 5-4 lead. Uh, but then just Hendricks was not able to get it done in the ninth inning. And Herb said that a little off, but it's, it's fine. What did it, I say? You said a 5-4 lead, but it was a 4-3 oh, lead. 4-3 lead. And then uh, the, the, the uh, Honus Haas ends up tying it up 4-4 uh, in the ninth inning off of Hendricks. And then Baez uh, with the game-winning single after an Austin Meadows triple. But let's talk about Hendricks. Let's start off here. Uh, 24 fastballs to eight sliders and one curveball. He got three swings and misses on those sliders, on, on eight of those, uh, three of those eight sliders. So uh, really baffling the fact that he wasn't using his breaking stuff more. Uh, very, very fastball heavy. He threw eight fastballs to Honus Haas. Exclusive. That's what led to the home run. And then obviously the bias one, he pokes that to right field. Uh, just a really rough game plan from the, from the Sox bullpen and from the Sox closer. And I won't blame the whole game on Liam Hendricks, but technically he is the closer. He gets paid the most. He's the two-time reigning reliever of the year. To throw a fastball inside to um, Cabrera, I didn't think it was a bad pitch, but... It was on his hands. Miguel Cabrera is Miguel Cabrera. Still old, not as good as he used to be, but he's going to get hits. That's not as bad, but the game plan going into the ninth, you have a one-run lead. You've got a reprieve. You have a chance for a win right there, Liam Hendricks. What are we doing? Why are we throwing eight exclusive fastballs to Honus Haas? Why are we throwing any fastballs to Javier Baez? Maybe he didn't have control of his curveball. He only threw one of them. And a slider, he only threw eight. But you got to know. You have to know. Well, We cannot lose this game to Javier Baez. Even if you want to walk Javier Baez and put him on first base, it was open because you just gave up a triple to Austin Meadows. (laughs) I would have did that. If you say, hey, all I got is a fastball today, and I know this dude can hit one, right. four. Yeah. I, and that's either the manager, the catcher, or Liam himself. And you saw that Giolito, what he was doing early was getting his curveball over for a strike. I don't understand why Hendricks was very, very against just starting off an at-bat with a breaking ball. Uh, it was very, very fastball dominant, uh, and a lot of – struggles so far for the season that I've noticed for a lot of these pitchers is they don't have that pinpoint control. They're not able to paint those corners on the outside. The ump was a little bit iffy, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, I thought he was okay overall, uh, but it really feel, felt like the Sox pitchers were having a tough time painting corners, and a lot of balls were left over the middle of the plate. A lot of balls were left uh, over the heart of the plate, which was uh, very, very disappointing to see. Uh, there was a comment from our guy Adam Hogg uh, of the uh, CHGO Bears. People won't uh, get that one. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, less Gropsy. Like it's less Gropsy. You said hog. Yeah, uh, basically all of my offseason annoyances, not enough pitching, bad defense, right field, Javi going to Detroit, coming together for an opening day loss. Uh, definitely an epic opening day loss, uh, as Adam says. Uh, the biggest concern for me, Herb, coming out of this loss is the first thing that Adam says, not enough pitching. Uh, Kendall Graveman came in to bail out Kyle Crick, and then Aaron Bummer needed to come in to bail out Kendall Graveman. Well, Kendall Graveman's fine. Yeah, I think, he was all right. Yeah, I think he, he was good, his... Uh, start or his relief appearance crick was erratic as he has been in his whole career mm-hmm. and aaron bummer while not great i didn't think he was uh, on his game today that's why we had to have the four out save today or four out a save attempt by liam hendricks who got the blown save and then eventually the loss i think carlos points it out perfectly liam i mean uh lucas giolito leaving after four innings with an injury which we'll get to a, in a bit caused a little bit of this you know going out early Puts a lot of strain and pressure. Five innings to cover with your bullpen. That's tough, especially on opening day, especially with only three and a half weeks yeah. to ramp up. But no excuses. Play like a champion. Get the job done. The Tigers got the job done after their starter went out. And we'll talk about the fifth inning that the White Sox didn't execute 
when they had runners in second and third with one out and got no runs in. This is a bullpen that you spend about 25% of your payroll on, and the Tigers had their starter go out after four innings. He was much worse than your starter as well, and they were able to cover those five innings. And yes, going into the bottom of the ninth, they didn't have the lead. Uh, they were down 4-3, but they didn't stop, and uh, it was just really disappointing, uh, honestly, uh, to see the Sox game end out that way because after the first four, it felt pretty easy. It felt like the Sox might cruise to a victory. Sox were up 3 nothing, and then it just fell really apart from there. Yeah, and it's mostly because the Sox had a chance to stomp on throats. Lucas uh, referred to this a couple years ago. Like, they didn't do it in 2019 uh, or 2020. They did it in 2021. You need to stomp on throats when we got them down. That fifth inning, you started off with the A.J. Pollock double. You get Luis Robert with the single. Then uh, Jose Abreu grounds it to a fielder's choice. Second and third, one out. You have one of your best hitters up in uh, Yasmani Grandal. He's a lefty, facing a righty. All he has to do is hit the ball into the infield. The infield was not in. We, we score a run. We advance the guy to third. What does he do? He swings at the first pitch with a fastball right down the middle. Then he pops up another one, and then uh, the result of it was a good catch by, I think, uh, Jonathan Scope. Yeah. And then throws it back into right. uh, home plate to prevent Pollock from scoring, and then they get out because uh, Aloy gets out. Yeah, that was the, the pitcher, key yeah. moment, I think, in the game. That's what's changed the momentum. You stop those guys from scoring more runs. You're still within three runs, and you see what the Tigers have done. They're, I told you guys, they're coming. They're here. They're good. Yeah, and this is from Rex Smith. Hopefully it's a wake-up call. Detroit is going to be improved, but the entire division is going to come for Chicago. When you're at the top, you have the target on your back. And I, I mentioned this too. I, I said that the Tigers and Twins were going to compete with the Sox. And even with the Tigers, I, I mentioned, you know, I jokingly said after Gregory Soto gives up the home run to Andrew Vaughn, uh, that the White Sox made the right choice going with Tony Russa uh, instead of a, uh, hiring A.J. Hinch. Uh, you know, that doesn't matter, but this team is young. They don't really have uh, that thought process. They don't have a lot of uh, memories to look back on. You talk about Lucas Giolito, them not being able to step on throats in 2019, not being able to step on throats in 2020, not being able to step on throats in 2021. You look at Detroit, Detroit is a young team. Detroit doesn't have any of this. They're trying to make their own memories. They're trying to create their own story. They have Javi Baez, Austin Meadows, the two guys that end up winning the game for them, uh, coming through and getting a win on opening day. I just think that the White Sox, like, maybe it's short memory. Maybe it's, you know, you just, it felt like, just there lacked aggressiveness today from the Sox. Uh, and at the start of the game, I liked the lack of aggressiveness. Uh, you saw that Eduardo Rodriguez got up to 80 pitches very fast. Uh, the White Sox were patient, uh, getting into 3-2 counts very, very early and often against Eduardo Rodriguez. But once they started going into right-handed pitching, uh, the Sox really just started to fall apart. It didn't feel like they had any answer to the Tigers hitters, uh, pitchers, and it just felt like they, they lacked aggression. There was a lot of balls over the middle of the plate that the White Sox really didn't damage. The only one that I think they damaged was the one Andrew Vaughn sent in the seat, seats. But outside of that, uh, not a lot of pitches where the White Sox made the Tigers pay. Yeah, and I think that the White Sox need to have some urgency. The relaxed laissez-faire one of 162 doesn't work. That was last year. you got to bring intensity every day. Grab these games that you can. This is a huge loss. Like, the White Sox should have won this game multiple times. And the reprieve you got from Andrew Vaughn is like, okay, all right, we messed up. We gave up the lead. It's three all. Now Andrew Vaughn has four to three. Cool. We got our best closer in the game going in out there and facing 8-9-1. Come on now. And I know he made Spencer Torkelson look silly out there. Mm -hmm. But then 
I just don't understand the game plan. I don't know what he saw in that Eric Haas at bat that said, fastball, fastball, fastball. He faced him. He saw him, what he did versus the White Sox last year. Five home runs in 2021, Eric Haas had versus the White Sox. Yeah. What I are mean, we doing? Uh, like, it doesn't make sense, the game plan. I don't process over results. The process was, I'm going to throw Eric Haas eight fastballs. The result was a rocket home run. If that was a rocket home run off a slider that Eric Haas just got, got to you, tip the cap. Well, and also, and uh, there's a question here from Garrett. Why didn't they bring Engel in for defense? Uh, Pollock, I mean, that, that ball hits the wall no matter what. Uh, maybe Pollock needs to jump there, but Pollock was also one of your best offensive yeah. players. There's no reason to take him out. And, you know, fairly, I mean, before the first eight innings, I didn't notice anything wrong with Pollock in right field. I think I, I thought he, you know, picked up the ball very awkwardly uh, on that Meadows triple, uh, and maybe he should have jumped at the wall there. But, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a difficult play right there. Running back full speed, trying to jump right at the wall, making sure you don't collide with the wall. Uh, I don't know if Engel makes that play. That's a, it's an extremely difficult play for anyone uh, to make on there. The Why are you throwing fastballs to Javi Baez? Don't let the ball go in play right here. Throw a, throw a slider uh, low and away. I mean, that's what Lucas Giolito was doing to Javi Baez when he was in the game, and he got two strikeouts on him. The expected batting average on that play, I think, was like 780. So, yes, Adam Engel's a better right fielder than A.J. Pollock, but are we complaining about A.J. Pollock game one? That man had a great game today. And right field in Comerica Park is one of the hardest right fields to the man. That jut out where he kind of misplayed Austin Meadows triple. Thing that happens to all the greatest right fielders who play at Comerica. It's a weird place to play. It's cavernous. So I'm not going to give A.J. Pollock a blame there. It's a rocket. That some bitch shouldn't be throwing fastballs to Javi Baez. <laughs> Sorry for calling you some bitch, yeah, Liam. Well, You're and, good. He probably call himself a some bitch right now. Yeah, it's you know it's just our, our lexicon. And Greg Miller saying Pollock to left, angle to right, process, process, process. I mean that's fine. If if you want if you wanted to take Aloy out uh, in that in that scenario, I would have been fine with that because I don't no. love the way that he was playing in, in, in left field either. No, don't they have Aloy coming up the next half inning if they do give up when they did uh, give up the home run to Eric Haas? Vaughn hit the homer, then Harrison, or then Berger would have went down, and then Pollock went down, so then it would have been 2-3-4. Two, three, two, three, four. Four. So, I mean, there's no guarantee that Aloy comes up in there. I want Aloy, fifth. No, I want Aloy in a close game. I want him in the game still. So I'm not replacing him unless it's a game that's out of control or we got a three-run lead. No, I'm not. I'm not taking one of my best bats out just to have a chance to catch that ball. And there's no guarantees that Adam Ingle catches that ball. Not at all. Yeah, there's no guarantee that he catches that ball. It's just an extremely awkward play to make. Uh, this is the CHGO White Sox postgame show. We'll be talking now about the Lucas Giolito injury, but the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO Locker. Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. That's if you have any questions, you can email something better. PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. 
PointsBet is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's newest feature, the live NBA same-game parlay. For the first time ever, you can build your perfect live NBA same-game parlays only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game, and if you want more, you can boost your odds using the same-game parlay, and you get one free boost with PointsBet. It's my favorite uh, little feature of the PointsBet app. So you can watch live, parlay live, and boost live with PointsBet. Online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. So after five or four innings pitched, Lucas Giolito left the game, 61 pitches, Herb, Mm -hmm. and we were kind of surprised that he would be leaving after four, but we thought with the shortened spring, uh, the ramp up, he wasn't really looking great velocity-wise. Low uh, velocity-wise was 93, maxed out at 94.3. And then we get the news after the game that the White Sox uh, uh, announced that Lucas Giolito goes down with an abdomen strain. Uh, So right now the Sox get good four innings from Lucas Giolito, but now we're waiting on the news on how severe his injury is. Uh, How concerned are you right now uh, after the White Sox ace or opening day starter goes down? Always concerned with core injuries, especially with pitchers. I mean, he looked his uh, miles per hour. I think I was talking to you early in the game. I was like, usually 94, 95, and he was sitting 92. I was like, mm, looks good. Tigers aren't hitting them. He's throwing the curveball. He's throwing other stuff. So maybe he's not feeling it. You know, it's early in the season. He hasn't ramped up properly, like a six-week ramp up usually we get with the spring training. And this one was like three weeks. So cool. Take him out after 61 pitches. That's what I thought before the injury. When the injury hit, I was like, we can't have anything. We cannot have nice things. Not at all. This is our window of contention. Right now, championship window right now. And after all the stuff that we went through, we get all these injuries now. Mm-hmm. And then we lose the game to boot. So, yeah, I'm very concerned with our ace. Probably going to be landing on the IL. Now the IL for pitchers is 15 days. I think he'll spend more time there. Yeah, I, I don't know how severe it is. I mean, hopefully it's just a tweak. Hopefully it has to do something with the cold. Uh, we saw that, you know, in spring training, he was getting up to 97, 95. Uh, and as that gra- that graphic shows, I mean, his max velocity was 94.3 and his low was 91.3. Uh, so a three mile per hour difference there. And he was, you know, up and down when he was hitting that velocity. Uh, you know, it was early on when he hit uh, 93 for the first time. It was in the first inning. But then, you know, one of his last uh, batters that he faced, uh, Jimer Candelario, fourth inning, he hits 94.2. So, you know, he was still able to get it up there uh, a decent amount even late in that outing. I don't know if I have to be too concerned about this, but if the White Sox are down with – or, or go down without Lucas Giolito and, and Lance Lynn, uh, that puts a lot of pressure on Johnny Cueto. That puts a lot of pressure on this White Sox rotation that already feels very, very thin as it is. Um, you know, best-case scenario, he doesn't miss a start. But, uh, you know, worst-case scenario, he's he's on that 15-day IL. Uh, what What's the plan? Because Cueto's not ready. Is it, is it Jimmy Lambert time? I mean, what do the White Sox do? Ronaldo Lopez to the rotation? It would have to be. It would have to be Ronaldo Lopez and then bringing up Jimmy Lambert to be long relief. Yeah, it's not an ideal situation. The White Sox came into this year at full strength. Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Seas. We're like, those are our solid people. We know what we're going to get from those people. Two of those three people are gone. Mm-hmm. Not going to be pitching for a while. I, well, sorry. I don't know if Lucas is going to not pitch, but I feel that way because it's the White Sox way. Once they get injured, they get injured for a minute. <laughs> Yo, Mankata. Right. So now we just have 
Dylan Cease out of those three people. And he hasn't had a full spring of pitching too. So what are we going to do? It's going to be very, very interesting to see what Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, and the guys over there are going to do to make this strong uh, starting rotation strong for those guys to come back. Because this is where you can lose the division. If you don't have a good starting pitcher, which we already had question marks to start the season, now you have your ace and your second guy, guy who pitched fifth or uh, got top five votes in Cy Young. It's going to be a real rough go for the White Sox. It's not a pleasant way to start this season. I know you guys are like, you're overreacting. This is our championship window, guys. There's no such thing as overreacting. We've been to the playoffs twice. Going to the playoffs again, nice, good. But we want more. We're hungry for more. And these things that happened, the game today, Lucas being injured, Lance Lynn already being injured, Yoan Moncada being injured, these things take a toll on White Sox fans. We've been through the shit of fucking uh, Shawshank. <laughs> now we're on the other side, and we broke our leg before we get to that damn bank. Where right. is Zay Wataneo? Where Zay Wataneo is our World Series. <laughs> And we get we broke our leg. They're taking us fucking back to Shawshank. Yeah, and Slush Poppy saying even a grade one strain like Yoan is a two to three week recovery. That's at least two Giolito starts right there. And you're talking about you know we can't have anything nice. Talking about you know the fact that th- this team is is looking for pitching help and you know that the, every game counts uh, the, the same. So with Detroit winning this big game, and I understand it's just the first game, you're giving this team a lot of confidence and just understand that. Teams do overperform. The White Sox shouldn't have been where they were in 2019. The Cubs shouldn't have been where they were in 2015. This Tiger team, if Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal, the two guys that are on the mound next for the Tigers, if they are you know, what they're promised to be, they hit their potential level, the White Sox better watch out. Because, yes, you had this game in hand for a large majority of this, this, uh, th- th- this affair, um, but if you're going to have Lucas Giolito going down, if you're going to have Lance Lynn going down, this team cannot compete even if this lineup's great, even if you have, uh, you know, Luis Roberts still available. It, it just, this Detroit team, I think, has a lot of firepower that that can scare me. You have, you know, Eric Haas coming off the bench and hitting a home run like he did. Uh, th- this addition of Javi Baez, I know I don't want to overreact, but it's scary because this is now a superstar that they have. You have Detroit fans chanting Javi. This team is energized you better go out and you know punch him in the mouth tomorrow because I mean you you have to send a message that you're still the team to beat in the AL Central. I know there's 18 more games left to play against Detroit, um, but but if you're going to be able Balance to schedule, are we down to 14? That's, no, that's next, next year. year. Next year. Um, if if if, if, you're, if they have you know this confidence of you going up against your your closer in game one, you know what's that going to mean for the next 18? I, I I don't like the way that this game finished. I didn't like the way that they finished after the fourth inning, uh, and the fact that you know that Giolito injury happens too. Uh, that is just concern on concern on concern. Uh, let's try to be optimistic, huh? Hey, Ryan Ferguson. Yes, I wonder why we're White Sox fans often. It hurts to be a White Sox fan. It's That's fun. why we are the most loyal, the most diehard fans of all time because we've been through the ringer. Yeah, it's, Absolutely it's, been through the ringer. And, yes, it's only one game, but it's the buildup of this season that we're like, oh, here we go. We're going to show the Tigers and how it started. Like, we're showing the Tigers, like, Enjoy your free agent pickup pitcher. We're going to eat off our Eduardo Rodriguez, which we did. Mm-hmm. And then they come back and win the game. That's just disheartening. The, in the, the fashion that we played this game today was the most 
uh, annoying for me. Oh, we got a caller here. Yeah. Who could it be? Who's calling into Who the post game show? Oh, I think it's the CHGO White Sox beat writer, Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Happy opening day, Vinny. How's it going from Detroit? Hey, guys, you guys looked like you dressed to bat uh, cleanup in fifth in the lineup today, it looks like. They could have used us. Uh, yeah, I, I, maybe they could have used a lefty out of the bullpen. Bennett Sousa did fine, but uh, Aaron Bummer a little shaky and Liam Hendricks a little shaky. Uh, have you gotten the chance to talk to uh, any uh, White Sox players or coaches yet? Yeah, we just got done talking. We talked to Tony. We talked to Liam. We talked to uh, Andrew Vaughn, A.J. Pollock. Uh, so, yeah, a nice host of guys. Liam Hendricks, you know not surprisingly not happy with how things went out there, you know, and he, he talked up the Tigers as being an improved team, but uh, he, he talked up, you know, he said, basically that makes it harder, but it doesn't, you know, take away from the fact that he should have been doing his job a little bit better. So he, he wasn't pleased with what he did. Obviously uh, you don't want your closer throwing 30 pitches or more really any time of the year and, and to do it on opening day, it's obviously magnified. All right, let's talk first about Lucas Giolito because we want to talk about Hendricks. We want to talk about those 30 pitches he threw. Uh, but Giolito is what we were just talking about. He left the game after four innings pitch with abdominal tightness on his left side. Any update post game from the Sox, or is it kind of wait and see? Maybe we'll have news tomorrow. Yeah, it's kind of wait and see. He's being evaluated right now. So, I mean, they have to actually find out what's bothering him. But, uh, you know, Tony LaRusso said, you know, you can't help but be concerned because – Giolito is is such a big part of this team and such a guy who really kind of, you know, would like to fight through everything that when he comes to you and tells you that something's bothering him, it, it, it might be a little, you know, you don't want to say serious, but, you know, it's obviously there as opposed to, you know, a, a ticky-tack kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, they're concerned, but they don't know how concerned to be until they find out tomorrow. Obviously, this is not what you want to be dealing with if you're the White Sox uh, with Lance Lynn already on the IL probably for the first couple months of the season. So uh, this would be real bad if Lucas Giolito Alito was to miss any sort of uh, length of time, significant length of time. But, uh, you know, we have to wait and see to, to figure out what it actually is. Did either Tony or Liam speak about the pitch sequence to either Haas or Javi Baez? All fastballs for those guys. Ten fastballs, eight to Haas, two to Javi Baez. Yeah, I mean, I think Liam was mostly happy with the pitches that he made. Uh, you know, he, he specifically was talking about the at-bat with Cabrera, where, where Miguel Cabrera hit the kind of a broken bat single to, to, to get the, the, the score going there for the, for the Tigers. But um, it was more so that, that he did what he wanted to do. He just wasn't – the Tigers were all over him. I mean, I think Baez, you know, he, I think Liam said something along the lines of, you know, he makes – he makes good pitches look bad and bad pitches look good sometimes with what he with what he does at the plate, Javi Baez. So, you know, have to go back and get that exact quote. But it was very uh, revealing in terms of, you know, a guy in Baez who the Tigers didn't have a year ago. He makes this lineup a bit better. Even if you focus on all the strikeouts and the way Lucas Giolito made him look in the first inning, obviously he shows what kind of damage he can do, what kind of impact he can make for this Tigers team and on the AL Central as a whole with the way he ended the game today. Yeah, it, did Hendricks speak about control issues at all or anything like that, or did he just, you know, it sounds like he gave props to Baez there. It just feels like, you know, to just feel like he was giving props to Detroit Tiger hitters in general today. Well, I mean, I, I think I kind of, you know, alluded to it a little bit where it's, you know, he, he knows that the Tigers are a better team. He knows that the Tigers have a good lineup, but that doesn't excuse what he did. That doesn't excuse his end of it. And he wants to be making those better pitches too. Uh, you know, he, he was asked about spring training. He didn't have the, the, the crispest spring training when you talk about results from some Cactus League games. And he said, basically, he was happy with the last two outings he made, but it maybe took him a little while to get to, to feeling like his normal self. Guys, I think today we saw the results of that shortened spring. And, and, and Lucas Giolito, obviously, 
that was an unplanned, uh, you know, end to his outing early. But in terms of the way the bullpen is going to be relied on, I think we got a preview of it today. And and this wasn't the start where you wanted the preview of it, right? I mean, you were maybe expecting it Sunday when Kopech pitches or whatever they have to do in the home opener next Tuesday. But to see it today in an emergency situation with the way Giolito had to exit, you're going to see bullpen bonanza, I think, for the first few weeks of the season here. And I hate that oh, show. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, a Western, Herb. Come on, it's a classic. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the the way Liam Hendricks was talking was, listen, this is the job, and they've got to do a good job early, especially they want to do a good job all the time, obviously. But they wanted, they need to do a good job early while the starters are not yet up to where they are normally. And Hendricks said so that they can get to the point where the starting rotation then can pick up the bullpen. And, and in the early going, though, it's going to be on the bullpen. And days like the kind of one that Aaron Bummer had, days like the kind of ones that Kyle Crick had, for example, days like the days that, that Liam Hendricks had today are not going to be able to fly very much. They're going to happen. That's baseball. But they're going to be extra meaningful because it's going to impact everything that goes on from there on down the line. And thankfully, the White Sox have, a, have an off day Monday. Liam Hendricks said after throwing 30-something pitches today that he's fine to go back out there tomorrow. But that's Liam Hendricks. He's kind of, you know, an abnormality here. You know, some of these other guys might need days off in between, especially if they go high in the pitch count. So once we get to a point in the schedule where it's going to be a bunch of games in a row, a day like today is going to have a domino effect moving forward. Is I know it's speculation because Lucas' uh, injury is don't know the severity yet, but their plan would be to move Raylo into the starting rotation. You're, you're speculating on that? I have no idea. We're going to find okay. out. We still don't know who's going to pitch Tuesday. That's the thing. I mean, I think <laughs> I think it's going to come down to what happens oh, over the next no. two days here. Because seriously, if 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 Cease or Kopech can't go a, a certain amount of innings on in the next two days, and they have to use Velasquez to eat some innings, or they have to use Lopez to eat some innings, especially after we saw all the usage today with Giolito only being able to go four, I don't think they know who's going to be available to them on Tuesday until they get through these next two days. I'm sure they have a plan. I'm sure they have a preference, but they won't want to be able to win these games on Saturday and Sunday. Well, and before we go back uh, to some of the things that the White Sox team said after the game, uh, one thing that you mentioned in there was Hendricks mentioning that the bullpen or the, the, the rotation at some point will need to pick up the bullpen. And just after game one, we talked about this leading up to the season, uh, the fact that the rotation was, uh, you know, the bullpen needed to carry the rotation. So the fact that that's already flipped, uh, you know, game one, Herb, I'm a little concerned that, you know, even if it's just one game and it is just one bad outing, uh, with the injury to Giolito, the injury to Lynn, I mean, that's just, that's concerning that now, you know, the, the bullpen's like, eh, you know, we just use five guys and, you know, we, we need someone to bail us out. Let's go, let's go, uh, you know, get, get six innings from Dylan Cease. Uh, Tony, we're gonna lose. He, we're gonna lose Vinny here for a minute. He's getting booted from this room, so we're gonna, we're oh, gonna say goodbye momentarily. Though, right, Vinny, you're gonna come back. Bye, Vinny. Bye, Vinny. Hopefully, here's hoping. All right. Okay. Thank you. Bye, Vinny. Kicking um, Vinny out. That's rude. That's rude, Detroit. I know, right? Uh, I was gonna ask him in Detroit what Tony said about the hitting approach because it felt very patient. Um, especially early on, Eduardo Rodriguez in four innings throws over 80 pitches. Uh, I liked the patience. Uh, I then thought it led to a lack of aggressiveness. Uh, from the third to eighth inning, they don't score a run. Uh, they're picked up by an Andrew Vaughn home run in the ninth inning. Uh, but Herb, did you feel like this team lacked a little bit of aggressiveness at the plate, or were you fine with the approach? I was great with the approach. The approach was awesome. Like You saw A.J. Pollock set the tone. with the, He spit on a couple pitches. 
Same thing with Luis Robert. I mean, that's what you need to do. Like, you got two outs in the first inning. Holes gets the walk. You get the walk also from uh, Yasmani Grandal, which that's Yasmani Grandal. And then a good at bat by Aloy, whether he hits the ball right up the middle. That's the type of offense that the White Sox have. No matter how many outs are there, you still have a tough at bat. Jose Abreu is coming to fuck. Yasmani <laughs> Grandal. And then Aloy Jimenez is after that. This is without Tim Anderson and Yon Moncada. That's why I was thinking. It's like, okay, we had a 3 nothing lead after two. We're crushing this pitcher. This is their big-time free agent acquisition. And then they just don't come to play. I, mean, I know what you're talking about. The 3-1 pitch to Yasmani Grandal right. right down the middle. Middle, middle, as Steve Stone said. And he just takes it. But mm-hmm. that's Yasmani Grandal's M.O. He's sometimes selective. Sometimes he's over-aggressive. But most times he knows the strike zone. And sometimes he doesn't want to swing at a pitch that's right down the middle. And you get frustrated with the guy because the next pitch was the same pitch. And he just pops it up to center field. Right. Yeah, and that's that's the concerning thing is th- that they didn't take advantage of those mistakes. Uh, but, you know, you talk about the overall approach. Three walks to three strikeouts, that is really nice. The fact that you can go one-to-one uh, on your walks to K ratio. It didn't feel like the White Sox were overpowered. It just felt like maybe everything just wasn't clicking yet because of spring training. I'm not sure, but it just felt like you know, when the Sox could have put this can, game can, away with their bat, they, they can we just watch Vinny's been like I he's see looking it. around. It's yeah, that's fine. Funny. It's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I don't know. Great. It's, it's Vinny's kind of uh, Vinny's about. travels through the uh, Detroit press box, yeah, uh, just, trying to don't figure. Don't worry, it Vinny. Out. We're just watching. It's no big deal. Keep looking. We'll we'll come back to you later. Uh, but the fact that you know they only get eight hits, they get a hit from everybody besides uh, Liuri, y- uh, Yasmani, and Abreu. It just felt still like you know. Last year in the playoffs, like you're able to get some runs, but you're not able to get enough. Uh, the bullpen, you know, you get enough out of Giolito, but the bullpen isn't able to finish. Like it did feel very reminiscent of last year's postseason to me. I mean, we talked about it before the game where Lurie Garcia is batting right behind Aloy Jimenez, and then you have Josh Harrison and then Andrew Vaughn. Like Andrew Vaughn should be getting much more bets than what Lurie Garcia is. Lurie Garcia shouldn't be hitting in any higher than seventh in this White Sox lineup, no matter if Tim and Yohan are out. That was that made me mad because then you see all the times where he comes up and he's Larry Garcia. Mm-hmm. What do you expect? You can't have him in that position. I would rather have Andrew Vaughn, as you saw in the eighth or top of the ninth inning, deliver a home run, deliver something. Like Larry Garcia is a eighth, ninth hitter in anybody's lineup, especially this White Sox murderer's row. Well, and then Andrew Vaughn behind him, he goes one for four uh, with an RBI. One of those was a home run, and he had a lot of good at-bats, a lot of good hits uh, off the ball, a lot of high exit velocity. He got robbed by Javi Baez. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, he was hitting the ball hard all day long. And then Berger, Berger goes one for three. He also had a walk, too, so it doesn't make a ton of sense why Leary Garcia and Josh Harrison are batting above Vaughn and Berger, but we're going to go try to go back out to uh, Detroit to Vinny Duber. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Uh, Vinny, we were talking about the patience uh, that we saw early from the White Sox against Eduardo Rodriguez. Four innings pitched, 80 pitches for Rodriguez, and the White Sox were able to you know, draw out at-bats, get to a lot of 3-2 counts. Uh, did Tony talk about the uh, at least the patience uh, at the plate for the Sox today, kind of the game plan of what they were looking to do against Rodriguez? 
Well, I think by that it time, is. I think by that time we had uh, we had some better better topics for Tony to go over. Obviously, more pressing matters, but um, certainly that's a good thing, right? I mean, you want to be able to see that from as many of your of your hitters as you can. Um, so I think that you know when you see that from Grandal, who's made a career of that, Abreu, who's shown he can do that in, in in you know over the course of his career, and then you throw AJ Pollock in there, who's a new face to White Sox fans, and obviously we're learning you know more what he's about from an every sing- watching him every single day kind of level, but. It's obviously a good thing. It's a benefit. It's what you want to be doing if you're a, a lineup. And, and I don't want to say they got away from it because I, I don't think that is true. But it, it, it certainly was noticeable in that first inning. And, uh, you know, it, it, it definitely helped chase Eduardo Rodriguez from the game. And if, if you're of the opinion that he's one of their better pitchers, he's one of the better pitchers you might face in the AL Central all year, then, you know, you want to be able to get rid of him as early as possible. That's what they were able to do. But they weren't able to do more damage off the Tiger bullpen. I was just wondering the atmosphere out there in Detroit. It looked lively. It seems like the fans know that they have a really good ballpark, and it looked like a sellout. Was it a full, lively crowd as it seemed on TV? Liveliness, absolutely. It was great. They, they in the press box, you know, we had the windows closed because of the conditions, but they, they, they ripped them open in some of those moments when the Tigers were tying the game or taking the lead. They opened them up a little bit so, so we could get a, an earful. And, and you know what? Good for these Tiger fans. That was, that was exciting. They make it exciting. You know, I think Sox fans know that when they go nuts down on the, on the south side, the players appreciate that, and it's certainly more enjoyable from just a game atmosphere standpoint. That was definitely the case today in Detroit. The, the Tiger fans were into it, even as it seemed like they were, you know, I don't want to say getting blown out, but, but the White Sox had an edge, seemed to have a big edge, even if it wasn't reflected on the scoreboard. During that time of the game, the Tiger fans were into it too. So uh, give, them, give them some props. They made it a fun atmosphere for sure. We talked about it the other day, and it keeps on rearing its head. Tim Anderson not in the lineup. Team seems a little lost. Did you feel that today, that the team, after a certain point, was just like, our leader's not here, and like we're, we don't have the juice that we usually would have when Tim is in here, even though A.J. Pollock did an awesome job as leadoff guy? Yeah, I wouldn't say that I noticed that they didn't have juice, but I will say this. They obviously would have had more if T.A. was here, right? And so I, I think that you can never discount the the kind of value that he brings to this team from both an on and off the field standpoint. He was talking before the game with us, joking around, you know, uh, talking about how badly he wanted to be here and be involved. But, you know, he's going to be here Sunday, and that's when you'll see the White Sox closer to full strength. Obviously, full strength and, and the, the opposite of that are going to be big stories moving forward, especially as we're not certain what's going on with Lucas G. Alito. So, but Yoan Moncada, we know is going to be out for a bit. Lance Lynn, we know is going to be out for a bit. TA is the kind of guy who can bring, to use the word you just used, the juice to get these guys through that kind of thing. And to have him back in the lineup starting on Sunday is going to be a big deal. I know you talked to Tony, you talked to Liam, you talked to AJ. Who was the other person you said you talked to? Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn. Okay. Well, let's go to AJ Pollock first because you mentioned the atmosphere there. Take us to that Javi Baez walk-off. Uh, very odd play, hitting off the wall, then hitting off Pollock, and then him juggling it. Uh, what did you see on that play? What was the reaction like from the fans? And then what did Pollock have to say after the game? Yeah, I think everybody in the stadium thought it was a circus catch, you know, kind of couldn't believe that he came up with it after you saw it go out of his glove for the first time there, right? I mean, I think everybody thought it was just kind of a – ridiculous catch that was made out in right field. Um, And then when you get the replay, obviously you see what happened up there against the wall. Uh, Pollock said he maybe thought he had more room. He he got to the wall earlier than he thought. He said this was the first time he's played uh, at Comerica Park uh, in the outfield. And, you know, this is guy's a guy who won a gold glove. So he's not, you know, out there just spinning around. He's a guy that has a, a good defensive track record. And 
He said that he thought he had a little bit more room. He got up to the wall pretty sooner than he thought he did. He didn't know exactly even if when he touched it for the first time it had hit the wall or not because he's just feeling for the ball. So, um, yeah, it was it was a wild play, a goofy play, made for an exciting finish, not the ones the White Sox fans were hoping for, obviously, but but a, but a zany game. And, and, hey, if they're all this entertaining, I'll, I'll take 162 of these, uh, you know, obviously. <laughs> obviously, you know, they're not going to lose every single one of them, but, you know, I'll take I'll take 162 of these if they're all this entertaining what did Andrew Vaughn say about the at-bat versus Soto not much Andrew Vaughn is a, a man of few words usually but uh he he's he's a guy who I asked Tony you know what does it say about Andrew Vaughn that that you know the the lead is blown in the fashion that it was just blown in and then Andrew Vaughn just walks up to the plate and knocks one out and you know mentally strong that's what Tony had to say about uh, Andrew Vaughn so that's definitely a uh, a good compliment coming from the Hall of Famer but uh, it's something we've been hearing about Andrew Vaughn for over a year now and so perhaps it should stop surprising people that he's able to deliver in those kind of moments because of the intangibles that he does have yeah it's it's honestly incredible seeing what he was able to do today um, and just the reaction of him I mean you see you know so many guys get up and excited especially when they hit a uh, go-ahead home run like that and Andrew Vaughn as deadpanned as just stone cold as you can possibly be trotting around those bases uh, I'm surprised I'm not really surprised he didn't have much to say uh, but did he have anything to say about being a DH for the for kind of the first time this year uh, not really. I mean, he's been doing it in spring, and obviously he did it a good deal last year. I think he was very ready to step into that role last spring before Aloy Jimenez's injury kind of forced him into the outfield, obviously. But, uh, you know, I think he's a guy who's kind of ready to do anything, and, and he doesn't. it doesn't really bother him. You know what I mean? You hear from guys as accomplished as Jose Abreu how tough it can be to, to play DH, the dislike of playing DH because of some of the challenges that go along with that. Andrew Vaughn, whether you're talking about him playing DH or talking about him playing a position he's never played before, seems to have the same opinion, which is is, all right, bring it on. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and certainly that kind of thinking, that kind of mindset is reflected. And when you see him at the plate and see him do something like that at the plate, like he did today. So certainly the White Sox have a guy in Vaughn who they can count on, not just to, you know, everybody wants to look at production, but who they can count on in any moment, in any situation to do the kind of thing that they want him to do. And Vinny, I'm a guy who doesn't like think that the national anthem should be saying, or played or performed before baseball or sporting events because it makes no sense. But today's, that man is a genius. I knew of his... Jack White. Yeah, Jack White. I knew of his work with himself, the raconteurs, and, of course, with... What's the group he's in? With Meg. Uh, white Stripes. Yeah, White Stripes. But Yeah, that little like, band. That guy that is... little band, the White Stripes. He's yeah. a virtuoso. <laughs> I didn't know, know all of that. That anthem was, mm, delicious. Yeah, I mean, the guy's one of the best guitar players of all time. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, Him or uh, John Mayer? White. Well, I mean, what are we talking about here? It's obviously Jack White. What are you talking about here, Herb? Come on. John Mayer's pretty uh, good, too. He's Jack a hell White's of a White's a better player, original artist. John Mayer's a hell of a guitar player. Yeah, he is. Stop hating hell on my John Mayer. I'm not, hating on, I'm not <laughs> hating on his guitar playing. Listen, he's basically in the Grateful Dead at this point, so you can only hate on the guy so much. But uh, listen, if we're talking about accomplishments of the music he's put out it's it's jack white 100 i'll tell you what was the coolest thing about this national is. anthem was seeing it rehearsed yesterday oh yeah it, during the workout we were on the field as they were rehearsing as he was rehearsing it with his band and uh, man it was just awesome to see it was almost better because there wasn't the, the noise of a ballpark kind of soaking it all up like there was today i'm sure it came through great on tv uh you know with it hooked up to the mic and everything but obviously we we're hearing it through the pa system 
watching it yesterday when there's nobody in the stands. That was really impressive. And uh, I have a feeling we'll be hearing I'll be hearing some new songs from his new album that just came out today uh, before the night is through. Vinny, yeah. how, how did his hair come through in the uh, press box? Uh, uh, bright, bright. Perfect. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see the actual performance. I just heard it. Uh, it looks lion's blue. Herb's. Uh, Herb's phone. But yeah, very blue. Uh, from Honolulu blue, as they call it. Yes. There you go. Uh, enjoy there you go. the Jack White show uh, tonight. Uh, final question for you, Vinny. Uh, yeah, final question for you. Uh, what did Tony? What was Tony's kind of reaction? We know Tony is all about winning today's game and the fact that this team was up three nothing and had a lead and then had a lead going into the ninth. I mean, is this something where you know? I mean, is Tony upset? I mean, what's Tony's reaction to this game? Yeah, Tony's upset. I mean, you, there's a reason you can't ask him how you're doing because he because his answer is ask, ask me after the game. And so, if you would have asked him after the game how he was doing, the answer would have been not good. Uh, you know, this is a guy who whose whose mood every day hinges on the outcome of the game, and I think White Sox fans can very much appreciate that uh, as as people whose moods also hinge on the outcome of the game. So, uh, listen, he's uh, he's a guy who's not going to be happy talking to you post game if they lose, and a guy who is going to be happy talking to you post game if they win. Uh, it's pretty cut and dry for Tony Larusa, and uh, obviously him and everybody in that clubhouse wish it was a different result today. You got should invite him to the concert. He'll have a great time. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that'll, that'll, maybe that'll pick him up. Pick him up. Yeah. I mean, what else is he doing? Yeah, there's no way that Tony wouldn't enjoy a little Jack White tonight. Uh, enjoy Jack White tonight, uh, Vinny. I hope you have a good time. Thank you. I'm sure I will. Yeah, and have fun at the game tomorrow. That's at 1210 Dylan Cease versus Casey Mize. You could follow Vinny's work on Twitter at Vinny Duber. If you are a CHGO member, go to allchgo.com, and you could see his premium written content. It is behind a paywall, so if you're not a CHGO member, you won't be able to read it, but he'll have a post-game recap up for tonight. Yeah, yeah, he gives me the knowledge. We'll have something. We'll have a little something. A little something-something from Vinny on allchgo.com. So make sure that you are a member and you are reading Vinny's great work on our website. Thanks, Bye, Vinny. Vinny. We'll Thank talk you. to you on Sunday. Adios. Adios. All right, and if you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from CHGO Locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And we got a lot of people in the chat right now. Thank you, one and all, for joining us. Thank Whether you, you are Poppy. a... Uh, yeah, well, thank you, Slush Poppy, who's always uh, coming in. Appreciate you, fellas. Congrats on your first post game. Thank you guys for supporting us. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys. Uh, even the Detroit fans talking shit in the chat. We appreciate you. You guys won. Talk your trash. Uh, that, that's that's what this Enjoy. is here for. So, uh, you know, if you think it's an awful game, if you're thinking we're being too pessimistic, uh, we, we, we are glad that you have a voice uh, on this show as well. I like well. this guy's uh, avatar, D from Detroit. It's, it's the uh, crying Jordan meme. Inside a, a lion's helmet, which fair, fair, I'm fair. not sure if that's against Chicago or himself. I think it's sure. against himself. And also, yeah. he's saying, I really don't believe the Sox lineup is much better than Detroit. Well, you should look again. Uh, yeah. it, it definitely is. Uh, even Tim Anderson's not even in the lineup. Even yet, today's line was better than Detroit's. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not so. saying Detroit's is bad, but the White Sox have one of the best lineups 
in baseball. Yeah, and they they need to act like it. They need to they need to hit and better. That's than why they we're did pissed. Yesterday, yeah, that's that's why uh, they need to come out and prove something tomorrow. Uh, like Rex Smith has said. Uh, before we get into some final recaps, we got to take some victory laps here because uh, we were right in some ways. Uh, but if you are new to CHGO, if this is the first ever piece of content you're taking in from chgo make sure you are subscribed to our youtube channel we will be live on sunday with a pre and post game show for you we'll be live sunday through thursday all of april with pre and post games for you uh very excited to do this with herb Vinny, and all of our great production staff here at chgo we're gonna have pre-game shows for you we're gonna have post games for you we're gonna have podcasts for you all of those are free, but if you want to become a member, you can at allchgo.com. We got premium written content for members. We got dope merch for all teams, and we have a members-only Discord that people will participate in for our Monday mailbag when Sox have an off day, which, hey, on April 11th, they have an off day. So we'll be doing a Monday mailbag there. So if you want to be getting in questions for our Monday mailbag, go to allchgo.com. Uh, let's... You want to start with some bummer stuff, or do you want to go to our, our victory laps? You want let's to save do that? some victory laps. All right, let's do I don't, some victory laps. For for bummer, I, he wasn't good. I don't too much put pressure on that. Like, he gets a reprieve from me because of uh, just it's the beginning of the year. He's not the high-paid closer like Liam Hendricks. That's why I'm giving Liam more grief than I'm giving bummer, more grief than I'm giving Kyle Crick. Because Liam is the reliever of the year, two-time reigning reliever of the year. And you had a chance to get the win after mm-hmm. you gave up the lead in the eighth. And you failed. Yeah, and classic uh, classic bummer fashion. Uh, not really hard-hit balls that he gave up. 87.9 miles per hour off the bat uh, to Javi Baez and 71.2 miles per hour off the bat to Grossman. So, uh, you know, not a great performance from Bummer. He wasn't able to negate those bats, but, uh, you know, he, he wasn't letting up some big, big content. Uh, so, you know, you got you to take what you can. And the strikeout he got versus Javi uh, was it Javi Baez? No, it was... Uh... I forgot who it was, where um, Grandal boxed the ball. It was a strike, but he boxed the ball, and he caught it. was a, bummer, yeah. Yeah, it was bummer who threw the ball. I forgot who was, the, the, who was up to bat at that time. It was filthy. And Yasmani Grandal, again, boxing balls that are right there. It wasn't a, chi- a time where you had to frame the pitch. The pitch was great. That's going to bite us in the ass. I hope that Yasmani Grandal has fixed those errors or let's get Reese McGuire in here for the catcher because we got to have those strikes. And one of these umpires who was not as good as the guy behind the plate today, which I thought was good because he was consistent, yep. called the same strikes over and over and over again, even though they might have looked out of, out of sync. That guy was good. Some umpires will not give you those balls that are strikes if your catcher doesn't catch the ball. Yeah, and you mentioned the one that he boxed. It was to uh, Candelario, uh, a slider outside. He uh, called strike on the outside corner. And it was that same thing. Uh, Rick Chialito, hey, look at that. He'll get healthy, lots of baseball to go, no worries. Uh, Papa G says so. Hopefully uh, your your guy Luke is uh, feeling all better after uh, leaving the game and after his four innings. But uh, thanks for joining the the show, Rick Chialito. And there's one guy, John, saying, yeah, the White Sox have a great lineup. Uh, Where did you get that early first-round exit in the playoffs? Uh, John, I don't know where you've been, but the past two years, uh, the White Sox have been uh, in the top ten of offensive stats uh, all throughout baseball. So uh, that's where we're getting a uh, great lineup from. Uh, you look at every single player on that in that lineup, and there's one weak spot, and it's Leary Garcia, and he's not an everyday player. So I, I don't 
think that this White Sox lineup is something to worry about. And mainly because you see who steps in leading off for the team today, A.J. Pollock, your pick to click or click to pick. I click to pick. Uh, he goes three for totally five. Different. Had a really nice game going opposite field uh, today. What would you think of A.J. Pollock's debut? Great debut. Awesome debut. He was exactly what we needed at the top of the order. I know we started the game. He didn't get a hit or anything like that. But three for five, he looked good. Despite the Austin Meadows ball, that's a hard ball to catch uh, going out to right field in that jut that happens in right center field. And then, then of course, the Javi Bias was a rocket shot. I think he played very, very well today for his uh, debut. And he's going to be our seventh hitter, guys. Our seventh hitter, John. <laughs> Yeah, our seventh hitter. And and maybe the White Sox, you know, start moving things around. Pollock looked really good today. Maybe you go T.A., Pollock, Robert, Grandall, Abreu. I mean, Abreu was, you know, struggled a little bit today. Wasn't his normal self. So uh, I, I'm not going to move him down after one game. Uh, but maybe if, you know, Pollock continues to hit, continues to rake, maybe we'll see the White Sox uh, move around the lineup. But if he is your seventh hitter, uh, that is very damn good. Uh, my guy, Eloy Jimenez, he went one for four. He drove in the first run for the Sox. Uh, he looked all right um, in left field. I didn't love him. He wasn't being super aggressive. Uh, there was one ball that I think turned into a double because he didn't get to it fast it enough. It would have been a double no matter what. It would have been a double no matter what, which is fine. Uh, there was a couple balls where he was just slow to getting from. He didn't want it to bounce over his head. Uh, it, there was a little iffiness of uh, Aloy in left field. I didn't love what I saw from him, but there was no tragedies out there from Malloy, uh, and he was okay at the plate. But still, at the end of the day, I'm, it's just disappointing what you see from innings three through eight against right-handed relief pitching. The White Sox still struggle, and this was a very right-handed uh, focused lineup. Uh, only switch hitters were Garcia and Grandal for the Sox. Uh, really didn't feel like they were able to get to the left-handers in Detroit's bullpen, which was extremely, extremely frustrating. Yeah, and they are right-handed. Very right-handed, as you said. When they have Yohan back, it's a little bit better, but that would only have two guys in the lineup, everyday lineup, that had from the left side in him and Ngrandal. But, yeah, they, they need to perform like the best lineup in the AL Central and one of the best in the American League. That's why we're mad. And so we get guys like John and D. stop talking smack. Yeah, I wish we did a show tomorrow. When we do yeah, a show on dude. Sunday... Be here, guys. You got, Be here when my man Tim Manderson's back in the lineup, and then see if you talk your stuff. You got John saying, LOL, you guys haven't sniffed the World Series. At least the Tigers have been there in the last 10 years. Hey, buddy, uh, you look at that lineup. The only guy that's left on that team is Miguel Cabrera. And, hey, you know that's what? That's not I, true. Who else? Tigers haven't been in the line, in the World Series in 10 years. They were went in 2006. No, tw 2012. When? The, they lost to the Giants. Sure. Yeah, you remember Sergio Romo struck him out. Uh, struck out, I think, was McGraw the Tigers? Uh, I don't yeah, remember. It was the Tigers. It was the Tigers versus the Giants, I think, in 2010 or 2012. That doesn't count. But if it was in 2010, it wouldn't count because then it wouldn't be 10 years. It would be 11 years. So, count. whatever. Uh, shout out to John. And this, I guess that's the joy of doing these post-game shows. Sure, is not only are we going to get White Sox fans like Connor and Slush Poppy and all these guys, but you we're going to get Detroit, Detroit guys funneling in yeah, and talking Don their with trash. Robert <laughs> but, uh, Every day of the year. We got Dylan Cease. Tiger Killer on the mound tomorrow against Casey Mize. How you feeling, uh, uh, Mize versus Cease tomorrow uh, in the Saturday game? Dylan Cease, as you rattle out the numbers the last uh, couple days, has been a Tiger Killer. He has been dealing versus the Tigers. And I see that this victory hopefully will wake the White Sox up and say, we can't lose games like that. We mm -hmm. got to have the intensity from inning one and continue it through inning nine, not just ramp it up when it's time to do it after we blow a save. 
three through eight, we need to get some hits. We need to manufacture runs. When you have runners in second and third with one out, a run has to score. Bar none. A run has to score. And Rick Giolito says Dylan will shove. So if Rick Giolito says it, and Rick (laughs) Giolito last year came on, I think, with the 108, and he said, watch out for Dylan Cease. He said that last year after Dylan Cease's 2020 year, which was iffy. Rick Giolito knows his pitching, of course. He's got a son, and he called it. He said Ethan Katz working with him. He's got it going. So I don't even know if he said that Carlos Rodon's gone, but Rick Giolito was very positive last year on the 108. So I'm going to listen to what Rick Giolito says. I've always said that it's ever since I was a kid. <laughs> listen to what Rick Giolito says. Yes, we've been always, always we've been listening uh, since Rick Giolito, since 1997 and, uh, you know, uh, earlier uh, for, for you right stuff. there. Yeah, you're a little older than I am. Uh, game Almost two there. tomorrow, 12-10, Sox versus Tigers in Detroit. Cease versus Mize. Cease nine games against the Tigers all time. 8-0 with a 2-10 ERA. If he's able to go six innings, and like Dan Wanda says, uh, also TGIF Dan Wanda uh, in the chat, he says uh, Cease must keep the pitch count down, and if he's able to do that, I think the Sox can win. Uh, are you feeling a Sox winner tomorrow, Herb? I predicted it in our preview show. I said two out of three. They're going to win the Sunday and the, the Saturday and Sunday game. We're on track. And you said five and four uh, today. Just I got said the five and four up. <laughs> today. I said that the White Sox were going to win. But I had the right score, and I predicted the Andrew Vaughn home run. Yeah. I didn't predict the home run. I just said he just likes lefties. So right. I'll take that credit there. Yeah, so uh, our, our click to picks, uh, they did all right, but the White Sox bullpen ends up blowing it in the opener against Detroit. Sox lose 5-4. Javi Baez walks it off. Austin Meadows scores the game-winning run. The Sox fall to 0-1, and the Tigers Improve to one and oh, I, you know, it's easy to remember those records now. Savor the flavor, enjoy, savor the flavor, yeah. enjoy first place while you can, kids. Yeah, and we'll see if the White Sox can tie things up and take the division lead uh, on Saturday and Sunday. We will have a pregame show for you on Sunday. We'll be starting about you know same time as we did uh, today, so about eleven thirty uh, for the twelve ten first pitch on Sunday, and then just like Sunday, uh, we will be going live right after the final out is made. We will be joined by Vinny Duber that day. It will be Herb and I. Uh, uh, doing the show for 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 you on Sunday, so please join to my us. left over there. He'll be underneath the points bet like I am right now. Yeah, we'll have three chairs uh, out here. But for Herb Lawrence, you can follow him on Twitter at Eckerwall twenty three. For our great production that was done by the Law Dog, appreciate you, Lawrence. Thank you. You can follow us on Twitter at chgo underscore White Sox. He's got a great last name, our first name, and I got a great last name. <laughs> you got. Same last name, spelled, first spelled name. perfectly. Uh, yeah, it's it's just like Sean's when they spell it S-E-A-N. Uh, this is the CHGO White Sox postgame, the first ever inaugural one. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and watching. And if you are still watching, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are trying to get as many Sox fans as possible. Subscribe to the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. So make sure you are joining us for the next 161 games. Thank you for watching. We will see you on Sunday. And go Sox.